For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another lovely evening of Jaybird watching. It is almost spring training, the cold, abysmal evenings, the terribleness, groundhogs, all that kind of stuff are almost behind us, and we can start looking forward to green grass, white baseballs being crushed over fences, and bat flips, <laughs> most importantly. So, per usual, the gang is with me. It is my week to host, but Adam Corsair and Brendan Panikar are with us, fellas. How are you doing? What's going on? Surviving, man. There's too much snow out there. Like I said, green grass. It's coming. <laughs> uh, I don't see none around me, man. It's all white snow. <laughs> or at least you'll see it on your Sportsnet feed soon enough. Yeah, that'd be nice. There you go. So, from all the fans that are already hopefully watching, we have another fourth window with us on the show here this evening. And we have our old friend, Jason Lee. How are you doing, buddy? It's great to have you on the show for the first time, long time. Yeah, thank you for having me, Craig. I mean, it's been too long. I tried to uh, make things work, but obviously, you know, we're all super busy. But um, it's reading week for me, so you caught me at a good time. And I'm just excited to uh, talk Blue Jays baseball with three wonderful gentlemen. Awesome, buddy. It's glad, glad to have you here. And I guess we'll just kick it off. And Jason, this is what we always start off with our show. Um, first off, I forgot. Thanks for everybody at Stadium Scene for giving us all the shout outs and everything that we've been continuing to get. And we are glad to be part of the Stadium Scene TV network. Also, hit us up on our Patreon account if you want to join the experience here. That is Jaybird watching. And yeah, we can get you in higher on a show if you subscribe to our Patreon account and we'll get you all set with that. But anyway, back to business here, fellas. Spring training is afoot, and unfortunately, the Blue Jays just lost out on one of their possible targets in James Paxton. Jason, is this a huge miss for the Blue Jays, or is this something that we're okay living without at the moment? Uh, I wouldn't call it a huge miss. Um, I definitely wanted the Jays to be on him. Um, you know, I heard an interview by Matt Boyd, who was training with James Paxton, saying, you know, he was... Uh, Paxton was looking back to his old stuff. Uh, he, he was hitting 95, 97, I think, on the radar gun. And um, the spin rates, you know, were also um, at when James Paxton was at his peak. Um, you know, I'm disappointed just because I don't think that the rotation that the Blue Jays have right now is good enough for a serious, serious um, playoff run. You know, because if you look at it, Ryu, he's still the ace. Um, there's no question about his talent, but he's had some injury problems in the past. And then from there, you know, who's your number two? Is it Nate Pearson? Um, you know, the guy obviously is still really, really good. You know, he has Cy Young potential, but at the same time, you know, asking, you know, a guy, you know, who's had, 
you know, less than 100 innings, I think, in the big leagues to be your number two starter is just way too much to ask. And, you know, I would like to see Nate Piercing, you know, get a lot more protection, whether that whether that's in the form of Jake Odorizzi, whether that's in the form of Taiwan Walker or some other trade. And, um, you know, even the back end starters, there's so many question marks. Um, Tanner Roark, I hoped would never see pitch in, in a Blue Jays uniform, but he's maybe still the number five starter. Steven Matz, you know, it's 50-50 whether he's going to bounce back to his old number three, number four starter form or continue, um, you know, to struggle. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks. I'm not happy with the rotation as it is right now. Um, so, yeah, I definitely say that losing James Paxton was a miss, but because there are other options out there right now, I wouldn't necessarily label it as a huge miss. Gotcha. Mr. Corsair, would you like to pick up the ball and run with that one? Yeah, I wasn't really, um, of the three available starting pitching free agents that we were, um, you know, gunning for, that being Odorizzi, Walker, and Paxton. Paxton, for me, was the least desirable of the three. Um, the injury history was a bit concerning to me. Um, not that I would have complained if the Blue Jays signed him, um, but I'm not necessarily surprised that they didn't. Um, from what I'm gathering, just in terms of you know reading the tea leaves, nothing insider or nothing really substantial, um, it seems like they're getting strapped for cash because you figure if they had available uh, funds or uh, revenue to liquidate, they'd probably sign one of the three by now it's specifically walker just because of the familiarity with it um but they're not and that leads me to believe that they're either being uh patient with what they want to do and they're trying to wait out the process or they might want to see what they have and evaluate during spring training to see if anything you know lightning in a bottle um or they're just negotiating still Uh, of those three um scenarios i think the the last one is probably the least likely um but I don't know. It's a little discouraging, but not really personally because I wasn't really gunning for him. So I, I by no means does the uh, the signing of Paxton to uh, Seattle make me think that the Blue Jays are in you know a, a, a terrible position. They still have options. It's just whether or not they're going to take advantage of those options. And as each day passes, you kind of gotta assume they might not, and they might be looking for more. Um, I don't know, bargain deals than just going all in. So as uh, Adam's looking for the bargain bin buy already, Mr. Uh, Panikar, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not upset at all about missing out on Paxton. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith said today, or there was a piece written on Paxton today that was said basically that he had some interest. The Blue Jays conveyed a little bit of interest, but there was ultimately no contract offer made. So just shouts to me that they didn't want to go down the path of potentially injuries again for James Paxton uh, and whatnot, and they just didn't feel comfortable signing him. So I'm, I'm fine with that. If they didn't think it was worthy of even offering him a contract, I think that speaks volumes uh, to where their heads were at in regards to him. Look, I'm really starting to think, guys, that Oda Rizzi and Walker – Aren't on their aren't on their radar anymore, and I really think that's because they want to kind of line it up with some of the more recent moves in terms of one-year deals. There's a lot of guys whose contracts expire at the end of 2021. It's going to free up over 40 million dollars in cash for them to reinvest that into the next offseason and maybe use some to extend some guys as well. So, yeah, I I, I really do think that if Walker or Odorizzi were willing to take a one-year deal, then it might have been done by now. But uh, it's not, and that's that's my guess as to as to where things sit right now. It seems like Walker might be getting 
uh, two years from the Mets, uh, at least. That's the latest. Um, ben Nicholson Smith also tweeted that today that they were in discussions. So yeah, I don't. I, I really, it's really looking like they're going to roll with what they have currently um, in house. And there's a lot of depth, a lot of it unspectacular and unproven. Uh, but there are some high ceiling guys in there too. So I guess they're banking on a few bounce backs like Robbie Ray. Maybe Roark evening it out a little bit, even though I don't really want to see that. Uh, and maybe a prospect or two breaking breaking out. You just made Jason like cringe if you didn't. I know. <laughs> just so, and I just think it's funny that Jason brought that up, and that's literally the mantra that we basically have had on this show ever <laughs> on the whole Tanner yeah. Roark run. So that being said, the Blue Jays did are looking for reinforcements, hopefully with the Odorizzi or the Walker conversation, and. Um, Brendan, do you think any of these guys are still an option for the you know where that conversation was starting to steer, or do you you no. you're on the boat that that we missed it? <laughs> yeah, I think they've, I think they've missed it. They would have had it done by now, especially with Walker, who clearly has expressed interest in coming back, like we've talked about the last few weeks. So no, I think I think the boat has sailed. I think they're going to roll with what they have and uh, hope some guys break out and stay healthy. So Adam, you were uh, preaching that same thing. Are you thinking we're uh, full on out on the Walker Odorizzi ballpark here? Yeah, you figure Corey Kluber costs uh, $11 million, and then Paxton costs, what, eight and a half. So you figure both Odorizzi and Walker are probably going to, maybe not in terms of AAV, but uh, it's definitely not going to be a one-year deal for those two individuals. And if they're, if Walker wants 10-plus per year, I, I assume Odorizzi wants something like that, if not a little bit more. Um I can't see the Blue Jays doing it uh, unless a significant trade happens, um, unless they uh, get creative. I just I don't see it. And again, this is I don't want to bring down the mood, but it might be just typical Blue Jays dumpster diving just to fill up some rotation pieces and wait into the uh, trade deadline to sort of use their prospect capital after they have a pretty decent understanding of what they have in terms of um, talent in the system more so now that we hopefully knock on desk while we'll the AAA season, um, they'll be able to evaluate it better and use those pieces to acquire one via trade. I think that's the, probably the best, uh, the best case scenario, and that means they're going to have to keep their head above water pretty much until July. Yeah. As they keep their head up above water, I do think that the minor league season actually happening is going to help even those potential trades because right now if you're talking about trading one of those assets – what has anybody seen outside your organization on these guys? Okay, that was literally 2019. We're talking about numbers here, guys. Those are a little old at this point. Jason, what do you think the Blue Jays are looking at here in the uh, Odo uh, Walker ballpark? You you in the ballpark that we're going to definitely not be getting one of those guys, or is this a hope and a prayer at this point? Uh, I think they're still in on them. I think they, you know, obviously they're not going to be the front runners for any of them. Um, out of the two. I would go for Taiwan Walker just because obviously familiarity. He really enjoyed working with Pete Walker. Um, he said the Blue Jays had one of the best um, analytics departments, you know, working with Pete Walker. Um, and at the same time, I think he has a lot more to offer. I know that there were people there saying that his six starts with the Blue Jays last year were lucky. And they were, you know, the FIP at the XFIP, the XERA, everything like that, you know, was higher than what his ERA was. Um, but at the same time, you have to remember that this, that this guy, uh, was a former top prospect. He's coming off a major injury, and um, now he's had a full off season, healthy to prepare for the season. And I do think that he has much more to offer. So I kind of think that those factors will kind of offset 
the luck that he had in um, 2020. So I still think he's a good pitcher. It just comes down to, you know, how much is he asking for? Um, to, I think I read um, Andy Martinez's report. Um, he's with a New York outlet. Um, he said that, you know, uh, Walker was looking somewhere in the two-year, $20 million region, uh, which I'm personally fine with. Um, I think that, you know, it's a good investment because I think he has the upside of a number three starter and a 10 million, you know, that's a good investment. And at worst, he's, you know, he's your number five starter. Um, but at the same time, I also agree that I think I read somewhere that in 2015, the opening day starter was Drew Hutchinson. And then, you know, we made all those trades um, and, you know, had that amazing run. So Daniel Norris question- was part of that too, just to throw that out. Yeah, there. exactly. So the question becomes, you know, can this rotation survive until the trade deadline? when the the front office can make those additions and you know it's a risk i don't know if it's necessarily the risk that i want to take um but you know i would understand it if the acquisition cost of walker or jersey was too high so that's kind of where i stand a good stance i think my friend i think that is exactly about summing up all of our thoughts there i think one tidbit that was touched on there a little bit too was that the metrics and all the pete walker isms and all the other good things that the blue jays organization has to offer has not really come to fruition for taiwan walker yet in that six game sample size and then not pitching the playoffs could be a piece of it as well so <laughs> it's just how it is apparently my dog is chasing everything around right now <laughs> so um on that note guys we did actually have some actual news this past week david phelps has rejoined this team after we officially have full-on won the thomas hash acquiring <laughs> and then we have also don't panic we have joe panic <laughs> so it, i think it's a me personally i think those are both great moves you got Phelps had a little bit of an off 2020, just like so many people did. And you got Joe Panic, who sadly was our DH in the playoff game that we're going to get back and then buy a league deal. So it, it's an it's a no-lose situation, right? We get a, get a couple guys back on some easy deals, and we can run with it. Jason, what do you think about adding those two guys back to the fold? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard not to like, you know, lower steals like that. I think with Phelps, you know, it looked like he had a bad season in 2020, but I think that, you know, his numbers were kind of wrecked by one or two outings. And outside of that, he was really good. And, um, you know, he brings veteran experience. He can pitch in. He has experience pitching in high level situations as well. So it's kind of like a low risk signing for the bullpen with a little bit of upside. And the acquisition cost was so low that, you know, it's kind of, like I said, hard to hate. And panic, same thing. You know, minor league deal. He knows the team. He actually was pretty good for the Blue Jays in 2020. Um as long as he's not our, you know, our starter in the infield, I'm fine with that as minor league depth. Um, so yeah, both low risk, uh, minimum upside moves that front offices make before the start of spring training. Well, that's how it is, fellas. But um, Mr. Corsair, uh, you want to talk in about what are you excited to see either of these guys back? I honestly thought it was cool that we get to bring David Phelps back because we can only got teased of his talents a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I I just like how we flipped Phelps for Hatch, and now you know Phelps is back. So it's like we we got Hatch for nothing. But um, I, look, I don't really care about minor league signings. They're so low risk that it's it doesn't even you know register on the radar. It is cool. Maybe we'll see Panic and it'll be DH again because you know Montero <laughs> was doing that shit. Um, whatever. Uh, we need bullpen depth. Um, you can't really. Again, I, I've said this often enough that. 
I don't like spending a whole lot of money on on bullpen depth unless it's a, a legitimate arm that's going to make a huge difference. Obviously, Phelps isn't that. Um, so maximum he can make is I think two and a half. So whatever, that's it's it's fine. And Come if on. he can, yeah. It, it again, this is part of our theory that they're going to try to keep their head above water up until the trade deadline, and you know bullpen help is going to be really really important in order for them to do that. Uh, unless the, this Blue Jays team goes on an offensive tear and they're just going to score like eight or nine runs within the first five innings, which, you know, not that the balls aren't beefed up. Maybe that's not a legit possibility. But <laughs> how could um, who could that screw more than us? You know, that's the thing that killed me when I read yeah. that. I'm like, oh, man, we just finally started hitting. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say who will screw most on the team, but uh, you, there you has been some numbers. Though. Would it be our you new acquiry? There, there has <laughs> been some studies and whatnot on that. Anyways, I, don't, uh, listen, I listen, digress. I'm not here for data. Okay? <laughs> We're here to drink beer and watch baseball. Come on. That's it. No, no, I think that um, they're they're so low risk signings that they don't even really register. I know a lot of people are probably uh, complaining about the panic move because, you know, the role, even though he wasn't terrible last year by any means, he's just not a sexy name that you really want to go out and acquire. But again, familiarity is a thing. It's a minor league deal. I don't have an issue with it. And again, bullpen depth. Can never have enough, and if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, what are you really wasting? A million and what seven five, whatever. Something like that. And in all reality, we're only wasting right now a forty man roster spot on Phelps. I believe they had to drop somebody who was the, your favorite drop, I think, of the last decade, Mister Corsair. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute, are we talking talking Fisher? D Fisher. God. Yeah, but he was traded. We actually got something. But we actually had right? to DFA him to get Phelps first and then yes. that gets him off the 40 man roster and he turned into cash money. <laughs> My only fear is that the play he got traded for a player to be named later, right? Yeah. I fear that he's going to be the player to be named later. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> it's happened. It's happened before it that has. a person was traded for a player wow. to be named later and then he was traded back to the team as that player. Just to put this out there, what if we got like the 2021 version of Jose Bautista back in that trade? Just saying. It happened once before. That's how we got Jose before he was the player to be named later, wasn't he? Oh no, we traded the player to be named later. That's what it was. Yeah. I, I take that back. <laughs> so anyway, could be something. Either that, I'm happy with the cash. So. Dude, I, yeah, I don't care if it's Bag literally balls, a nobody case yeah of beer. i do not care <laughs> get him out of my life brendan you got two sets on the phelps yeah, and no, the no. fisherisms i was just gonna build on what jason said about david phelps it's a very true point that uh, there, it was only a few outings that really rocked him and in a in a 60 game season where relievers are only pitching like i don't know what the top the innings totals were for the top reliever but it probably wasn't much above 40 maybe 50 innings pitched, your rate can look pretty inflated after one or two rocky outings. And let's be honest, those rocky outings came when he was with the Phillies. And the Phillies bullpen was probably the worst in baseball last year. I don't think they could have fixed anybody uh, from that bullpen. But yeah, he, I have his fan graphs page up now, and he had a 277 ERA and a 281 fit with uh, 
with the Brewers and a 0.3 F4, which in 12 games is a nice little number to put up uh, as a bullpen arm. Uh, and then he lost it all and finished as a negative 0.1 because it was negative 0.4 with the with the Phillies. That's just how bad it was. Uh, but yeah, no, so he's, he's solid, man. And at this point, it's like, who who would you rather? Would you rather Sean Yamaguchi at, uh, at $3 million or David Phelps or whatever he's going to get? At least Phelps, for the most part, well, actually for all the parts, uh, are, is the more proven commodity than, uh, than Yamaguchi at this point. It sucks. I was excited for Yamaguchi last year because... He was. He's, he, there's. There were some moments where some of his splitters really shone through, and he, he fi- started to figure it out. But I just don't understand the role they were trying to use Yamaguchi in last year because he would come in in the tenth inning with a runner on base, and it's just like, man, this guy isn't used to pitching out of the stretch. What are we doing here? So yeah, no. Uh, and panic, yeah, it is what it is. He might not make the team. He might. Uh, it's just extra competition for guys like Espinal and and other infielders. Worst case scenario is another veteran to learn from spring training wise. And we saw how important even guy like Caleb Joseph ended up being at the end of the day last season. So I'm all for it. It goes wins. Um, Mr. Lee, would you like to add anything as, um, you know, Adams, you know, running around celebrating the fact that Derek Fisher is not on this team anymore and all that kind of good stuff or have anything you would like to add on Yamaguchi was the other releasee in the last week. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Brown, great point with the um with the Yamaguchi thing you know how Montoya was using Yamaguchi and it kind of brings up a bigger question is is Montoya the right man for this job like his husband was quite season and he's good for developing the young players and I know this wasn't in our agenda but I've had times you know where I see the George Springer signing I see the Hyunjin Ryu signing and you kind of wonder it's like oh like now we're starting to compete for the real deal can Montoya is Montoya the man on the right arms um is he the right man to manage game seven of the world series and thus far he has shown me that he is not that man so I guess I'm I kind of want to ask you guys like what do you think about Montoya like for me he's been very subpar um I haven't seen what he's done behind the scenes with the younger guys I know that a lot of the players in the clubhouse respect him, but in terms of game management, he's quite poor, honestly. So I guess, what do you guys think? I'm going to let Adam run with that because we already know his opinion on the show here. And I think uh, you, Jason must've been listening to you, Adam is all I'm thinking here is where this conversation came up. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, I think a lot of people put stock too much stock into uh, management of a game, especially now um, people like to point at the last playoff game or the playoff game, rather not the last one, the playoff game with shoemaker, I think was game one. And how he was pulled early and people are blaming Montoyo for that. I don't at all think that was uh, a full-on Montoyo decision. That came from the top down. Um, He was probably just following orders and whatever the stat machine spat at him. Um, But I do think that when it comes to Montoyo, I consider him a bridge manager. I've said that multiple times here. I don't think he's the manager of the future. I don't even think he's the manager that they wanted. Um... I think initially when when going out and searching for that manager, I think they had someone younger on the mind um, and it just didn't come into fruition. Not to say that he's, you know, terrible at his job or to say that he's got a bad baseball mind. I don't think that at all. I just don't think that he's the right guy for the job. Um, 
but when it comes to game management, I don't really put much stock into managers in terms of development. I don't really put much stock into managers in terms of, you know, how to, to, I don't know, accentuate the talent of the individual. I think that's up to the individual and I think that's up to, um, how they approach their game. Um, but in terms of how he manages the game, it can be iffy. Like, again, we, we can bring up the, the panic to DH. That was a little weird to me. His lineups are always fluid. It's never the same. But then again, we could say the same thing about the Rays. The Rays last year didn't, ha- I think they only repeated the same lineup once and they made it to the World Series. So who the fuck am I? <laughs> like, how, who am I to say that this is the bad approach? Um, but all in all, I just don't know that he's the manager for the future. I don't hate him. I just don't, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be the guy that's going to ride out this young core for the future. Yeah, I'm in the exact same camp. And I've, I, I've agreed with you on that, Adam, for a while. I still think... Uh, as long as they keep Brian Schneider in the organization, that he's the next guy because he's won with this core down in New Hampshire, uh, and he's grown with them the entire time, whether it's being up in Buffalo or now in Toronto. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's who I've said even a year or two ago should be the future manager. I know other people on Blue Jays Twitter brought it up too. So, yeah, it's a good question, Jason. It's a good debate to have because they seem to really like him, but at the same time, like, I, I know – He's probably a minion and gets handed a lineup card every day from the analytics department, and he has no say over the matter whatsoever. He may have a little bit, but the most part, it's like, hey, man, when we hired you, you are bought into the analytics like you said you would be, and we're going to be giving you the best constructed lineup by what the computers are saying. At least that's the way it seems to be. I mean, that's really the only logical explanation between the lineup being different every single day is that they hand this to him and say, these are the best matchups and the best spots to hit guys in against this starter team today um and yeah um it, it I, I i truly think i'm with you adam and with you too jason i'm not sure if he's the guy to lead this team into the playoffs if they make it this year and he does well i think he may buy himself another year but much beyond that you might want to start thinking about okay we got to start capitalizing with this core right now it wouldn't surprise me if Baldelli was the guy that they really wanted when yes. the, you know he was young and relatable and i think when you have a guy like that with this young core, like imagine him, he wasn't the best of baseball players, Rhode Island native, but still he wasn't the best of baseball players, but still you have someone like him relating to a guy like Bo or to a guy like Kevin. I mean, that's cash money and it's money well spent, but it depends on how well you're buying into the analytic department. And apparently Montoyo, we heard it on his press conference. He was saying, I like the, the mix of both. I like having that old school feel it out mentality and the analytics, but it seems like he's more gearing towards the analytics because, well, it's what he's getting paid for. Can I just point out one thing? Does John Schneider have, like, the best job title of all time? Yeah, John Schneider, not Brian Schneider. <laughs> Major League Coach. Just <laughs> simple. Enough. I don't know. Does that what about um, uh, Bo's dad? What is his title? Masher. Yeah, he's just right there. You know, he's just there. I think he has some, like, advisor title. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a made up thing that they just here you can have this because you'll kill me. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Mike the Tyson only Beach. better title in all of sports that I've seen is Brad Childress back in the day, the former Vikings head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he got fired from the Vikings, he went to work for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they showed him. I think it was on Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football one time, and his title was coordinator of special projects. Yeah, <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a special forces football job. guy. Don't worry about. It. Yes, yeah. special projects. Yes. We have a very special role for you, Brad. 
<laughs> Let me get you on this. But I, <laughs> I agree that uh, I we've we've discussed it on this show a lot that he's the bridge guy right now, right? Where do you go from here and there and all that kind of good stuff? It was amazing that we made the playoffs last year, and it was really only because of certain things falling into and a literal pandemic that led to it. A 500-level baseball team does not usually make the playoffs. I hate to say as much as I enjoyed it, and it sucked for two games. <laughs> but I digress. The fact that we were there it just shows that this young core is that hungry and ready to compete. And the thing that we got out of the most of the last season is this team will grind out every freaking pitch. And I think that was the big thing to be um, seeing from this young core and this talent. Hence the reason they felt like being able to push these chips into the table. And the next part is, okay, is it purely analytics, analytics that we're going to keep running with? I want to see him get back to one. And this was my New Year's resolution and seeing both of yours New Year's resolutions have come through. I feel like mine has to come to fruition just a little bit. And I said, ditch the money ball nonsense and let's get back to playing some fucking baseball. <laughs> so that was my piece of it. Jason, did you want to add anything before we move to our real excitement, which is spring training? <laughs> no, I think you guys hit all the points that I wanted to talk about. Perfect. I'm glad we got you covered, buddy. So, anyways, spring training officially kicks off tomorrow, boys, as pitchers and catchers report. There's a lot going on with this team, a lot of moving parts, things that still could be added and improved and all that kind of good stuff. And we also are hoping there's going to be some things that come to, you know, the top of the everything here this spring and we get some good pieces that actually add to this team from either a trade, minor leagues, whatever it might be. What are you guys watching the Oh, well, first, let's talk position battles. Let's talk pitching. If everything is right now where it is, who do you see rising to the top that maybe is taking somebody's spot like Tanner Roark, who is clearly slated probably as a fifth or fourth starter in this rotation right now? And I think that that is the biggest glaring hole for the Blue Jays position battles. And, uh, Jason, would you like to pick it up? Um, Just a name that I always like watching pitch. Um, and I thought I think, you know, would be a very serviceable fifth starter is um, Trent Thornton. You know, he, he kind of the weird delivery, um, but all his curveball is really good. And he added a cutter last year and I really want to see it more in action before he got injured. And they kind of shut him down for the season. So I'm kind of excited to see what shape he's in um, exactly, you know, how much of an opportunity that the Blue Jays are going to give him. And, you know, maybe, you know, they're seeing something in him or, you know, the other younger guys. Um, that's kind of convincing them to, you know, hold the money on Taiwan Walker, hold the money on Jake Odorizzi. Uh, let's hold it for, you know, the the trade deadline where we can, you know, acquire a contract or something like that. Because, you know, is is Taiwan Walker a huge upgrade over Trent Thornton? I wouldn't say huge upgrade. I would say an upgrade for sure. But I also think that Trent Thornton can easily be a low four, high three ERA guy that gives you 180 innings at the back end of a rotation. Um so, yeah, I'm just excited to see how he pitches in spring training, and he is kind of like my sleeper to watch out for in terms of the rotation battle. Yep. Uh, Brendan, let's start with you now, I guess. <laughs> Move it sure. to rotation a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. I um, See, even I'm tinkering. Um, 
I, Jason, I think you're, you're. I think Trent Thornton is a forgotten guy because he went out injured and didn't pitch very much last year. Um, so maybe that's just added reason for why they maybe may not feel an urgency to go out and, and sign an arm, uh, is because they still have him and a bunch of others that can compete. The arm that, and I've said this before in previous podcasts, so I sound, uh, I uh, sorry if I sound like a broken record, but. They did pay the most this past deadline to get Ross Stripling. I know it's because he has some years of control left, but he's had some really, really good stints with the Dodgers in the rotation uh, and is a very good swing man. In my books, Ross Stripling is probably not going to come close to pulling what a Marco Estrada did in 2015 when Estrada came in from the bullpen, pitched well enough, came in for came into the rotation for injuries, and then just took off to become the dominant Marco Estrada. But I could see something similar-ish where you get stability from Ross Stripling, whether it's six innings, maybe the occasional seventh inning, seven inning start, even though it seems to be a thing of the past for Whoa. days. Oh, God, I know, I, know. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but uh, you never know. Uh, but uh, yeah, even if it's even if it's low fours, I think that's fine for a guy at the back end of the rotation, and it's better than what they got from anybody outside of Hunter and Ryu last year. So, um, yeah, Stripling's the guy for me I think people should be paying attention to a little bit more. Um, and I would honestly not be surprised if Roark gets off to a slow start. They either eat his money uh, because it'll be cost less because they've had him once the season starts, uh, or they flip-flop and Roark goes into the bullpen and, and Stripling comes out into the rotation. There you go. Adam? It's funny because Roark's the oldest guy on the uh, in the, in the rotation oh, that has a spot uh, sorry a, a chance to be in the rotation um you would think it'd be Ryu but it's actually Roller um yeah i think Stripling absolutely has a has a chance to get in there i think you have a bunch of wild cards in here i think Hatch can be a wild card to get into the rotation i don't really think Roark's even going to make it out of spring training i really don't I hope not. you know so if you're <laughs> are we convinced are we yeah, are we convinced obviously Ryu and and Pearson First of all, are we 100% convinced that Pearson is going to start in the rotation and not in AAA? Not 100%. Not 100%. That's what I'm saying. So it it might be just out of necessity that – but I can't see a scenario that Pearson gets beat out by Roark unless they're just being stubborn and they want to give the development to Pearson. Um, So we'd say Ray would be in there, right? I I would assume Stripling. And you could do a lot worse than Hatch. Really, you could if, if we're going to have Pearson in there. I don't think Rourke even gets in there. And I think Thornton, he's been so up and down that I, I just don't see him being you know stable in the rotation, uh, you know, a solidified role. It might just be as a spot start here and there or if they're going to run a, a bullpen day. Same thing with Anthony Kay if they really wanted to. But I, I think I think that's what you're looking at. And, and again, that's not sexy, but if they can click, it might be fun. All you really need out of this team is six innings. For yeah, it's true. Sure. Especially when the bullpen looks year. as good as it's going to look. Yeah, it's all you need. So, I wonder if this is a fun time to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's hold just... on, I have breaking news. Uh oh, go for it. Tim Tim Tebow is retiring from baseball. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> come on, I was looking forward to seeing him in Syracuse this year. <laughs> I thought we were finally going to get talking. So... <laughs> We've got to talk breaking Blue Jays news. <laughs> he got me all I gotta, excited. I got to. I got to give credit to my source, Rich, fellow small boy. All there right, you go. I so you, you go. just wanted to make sure you officially buried all my chances of drafting him in fantasy football again. Of course, just saying. Of course. <laughs> so. I'm looking at the 40-man chart 
guys right now, and I was just thinking, you know what? Let's just look at the pitchers that are starting pitchers, and you will tell me better than Roark or not better than Roark. Let's see what happens here. This will be an easy game. I'm going to start with a guy that actually, quote-unquote, is destined for the bullpen, but has been a starter for the Blue Jays in the past, Ryan Barucki. As a starter? If Ryan Barucki better as a starter than Roark or not. No. No? Anybody? I don't want I don't want Barucki in the starting rotation at all. I'm the same. I think he's better, but I would agree that he's been lethal out of the pen. I agree. Yes. Wild card guy, Tyler Chatwood. Better or worse than than Roark? Ooh. <laughs> Just based off that, that, but he was a great starter of the last Rockies. year. I'm gonna say no. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you a match, even even. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I could equal. say that. Yeah, if they're fighting for spots, yeah, if they're fighting for spots, that's we're in a bad position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going. I just thought it would be a fun game. I'm going through every guy that's starting pitching in our rotation right now. We already mentioned Thomas Hatch, probably better, right? Better. Okay. Yeah. Anthony K. Better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, apparently Alvis Luciano is still on our 40 man roster. I'm surprised that's still there. <laughs> Not yet. I th- okay, not yet. <laughs> Steven Matz. Again, I think it's the same thing as Chatwood. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd go there at this point, too. I mean, if you told me we were getting 2015 or 2016 Steven Matz, he could be the second best in this rotation Very behind well Ryu, but there's no guarantee of that. So I'm going to say equal as well. Merriweather. He's not in the rotation. There's I no figured no, he's going to try out, I thought they were saying. Yeah, but yeah, that, okay. there's just way too much injury risk with that guy. Like Even in the bullpen, it's as risky as it is right now. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd rather Roark over Merriweather right now. And we already said Trent Thornton. But do you think he's on par with Lagas Pack? Roark? Yeah. Yes, they're very <laughs> similar. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Well, TJ Zoik. I, I would give Zoic. I would give Zoic the starts. Yeah, I would, I would I would, just to Zoic. see what we got. Yeah. yeah, might as well. There was something about just watching the way his sinker plays. The way I see it, at least in American League East ballparks, you got a guy versus Roark who's more pop fly ridden versus a guy mm-hmm. that's going to keep the ball on the ground. And I always would rather pick the guy that keeps the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. Ground balls are more different. De- de- was it Democratic according to Bull Durham? Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I'm done. <laughs> so that would have been a fun random game to play so as far as position battles go the other one i think there's the kind of the uh one that's going to rise to the front here guys is we more or less have our four outfielders i'm going to just call that done but what the hell is going on at third base who's going to play first you guys want to give me uh that position battle in a summary here jason you want to kick it off do we have our four outfielders? Like, I know we have our four outfielders, but is Gritchick just going to be a bench person then? DH? That's just just, <laughs> think, just thinking guess, about that. Is yeah. he happy with that? It's a right. very good point. Right now, if you're going to – well, let's just go to the outfield scene. You're going this direction. If I was going to go right now, at least the way I was constructing this whole thing, is I'd be playing roulette with the who's got the day off in the outfield mm-hmm. to play DH because in all reality – those are some good bats when it really comes down to it. The question is with that next piece is who plays third and who gets shifted around because of Semyon being here. 
Does Roddy Telez, I think, is a better hitter potentially and a left-handed bat than Randall Grichik if he's going to be taking DH spots? And 100%. I think that's I like the balance, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Who wants to just run with it? <laughs> just oh, the outfield. Just the outfield or a third pitch. Let's go talk outfield first. Okay, so uh, I think Guriel is cemented in left. Yep. Uh, some guy is cemented in center. <laughs> um, <laughs> Constant action. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that guy Springer, Springer Field in center field. Um, and I just think because of the hot tear he was on last year and, you know, the the money they gave him, I think Tay Oscar is going to be your at least starting off as your starting right fielder. Yeah. Um, just because also because of the money, it's an expensive fourth outfielder unless there's a move made. Yeah. You're going to have great check as your fourth outfielder. Um and then you have Cavan who can play everywhere. If they needed a fifth, if they needed to have, you know, if someone knock on desk, God forbid, gets hurt or needs a rest, Cavan can, you know, fill in nicely. So I think that's your outfield. I, at least the initial three, those are what you're banking on. Yeah. Still all reeks of trade to me. It's got it. <laughs> it's got yeah. it. Because, look, if you because I agree with Adam, um, and I think Jason you might as well, um, that's where it has to be taken a step further. So let's just say you run with that, and Grichik, who probably isn't going to be happy about his spot on the team right now, um, either you play Grichik and right and Teoscar at DH, or Teoscar at DH and Grichik at, uh, in right, um, or whatever the alignment is. And then it comes down to, okay, so who's playing first base that night? Is it Vlad? Is it Rowdy? Um, whoever's playing first base, let's say it's Rowdy. Okay, is Vlad playing third or is he DHing? And then in that scenario, if Vlad's playing third, where's Cavan? Because Simeon was brought in to play second, and there's no room to play Cavan because DH is now locked up, right field is now locked up, left field. So it absolutely reeks trade, and I still think there might be one during spring training. Like if Grichik gets off to a hot start, or maybe Rowdy gets off to a hot start in spring. I still would not be surprised at a deal that will consummate in spring training once stuff starts getting underway. We've seen bit member. It was before opening date. Was it 2013 or 2014? All those trades the Padres made when they got Craig Kimbrell and Justin Upton right before opening night. Um, so stuff like that could happen. Um, but they're in a good position no matter what way you look at it, no matter what alignment it is, the offense is going to be just deadly. Yeah. And I'm thinking about third base. I think, having Vladdy there, I don't want anybody to walk into this thinking that it's his to lose. It's, it has to be his to earn at this point. Um, yeah. I don't think he's going to just walk in and automatically be given third base. He's got to be proven that he can do it. Um, don't love Kevin at third. I really don't. But in, in, in a pinch, See, that's the thing that kills me about this whole there. thing. Because to me, he's second base all day, and I don't even want to mess with it. But unless Semyon is going to move to third, which in my opinion, he's got the better arm of the two, and he could probably learn third base because he's a shortstop. This guy was making rifle throws from short in the outfield last year for the Oakland A's. And I don't know if you guys have seen that ballpark in Oakland or not, but it ain't little. No, <laughs> I know, but so. it sets a bad precedent, I think, for Bo. I think that's his spot, period. No, and... I'm, not, I'm not saying moving Bo. I'm not touching oh, all right. I'm all saying right. about moving Semi into third, so it leaves oh, yeah. Biggio yeah. at second. And then, like I said, you're going to have to just – I would at that point, I would be moving an outfielder and playing back and forth with Rowdy Telez and uh, Vlad at first and, and DH. That would be me. I just want that – you know, you guys remember what DHs used to be. 
insane amount of pop. How does that not spell Rowdy Telez and Vladdy in that spot and just let them play back and forth? So that's let me toss something in the mix. Let me toss something in the mix just to, you know, fuck up everyone's day even more. What if <laughs> what if Vlad lights it up defensively at third in spring training? What do you do? That's a nice question to have and worry about later. <laughs> you know, like it's not impossible because of the work that he's put in. Um, I agree. I love the arm there. I really do. Um, footwork is kind of questionable at this point. If he's got the weight down, then fine. I, I'm willing to give him the opportunity. But if he shows promise for third base and he's walking in opening day as your starting third baseman, I mean, you might be looking at Kevin off the bench. As much as I don't want to say it with his on-base percentage, you could very well be right. He's, he's unfortunately the odd man out in this situation. Yeah. So, but like I said, we've been saying a minute ago here, something reeks of trade and unfinished business with this roster as far as offense is concerned. I don't think they're going to trade somebody like Biggio or high-end prospect-wise to clean out any room for this when they only have Semyon on a one-year deal. You're not going to trade your guy that is a lock for future second baseman when you got a guy that's only guaranteed to be there for one season. Um, yeah, and you look, to add a little bit more uh, confusion to the mix, not that this is solidified. This is obviously changing every day. But looking at the depth chart right now, as of today, right, and this is obviously not set in stone. This is uh, spring training has to happen before they do anything. First of all, Alejandro Kirk is their number two catcher. Ahead of Reese McGuire, all right? That's a, <laughs> as of today. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at the top of the depth chart at first, over Rowdy. And it makes um, you wonder what the heck. Well, we've, we talked about it. If, if you're going to sell high on somebody, who else do you sell high on other than Rowdy Telez? Right. A great season last year. Unfortunately derailed by an injury. Right. Cavan, yeah. <laughs> um, as of right now, is at the top of the depth chart for third. Not um, Nope. And starting right fielder as of right now is Randall Grichuk. So they're playing Teo at DH? No. No, the, Teo, the, Teo's your fourth outfielder. The top um, listed DH right now is Rowdy. Is Rowdy, yeah. <laughs> I forget, but I think it was somebody at the Athletic was reporting that he is probably destined to be our cleanup hitter this year as Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. This, but this, yeah. is, this is tentative. This isn't set oh, in yeah, stone. No, I get it. Mm-hmm. No, we'll get the more are, tentative are, in a minute. <laughs> they are ordered the way you would expect them to, especially the rotation of the bullpen, because Yates is ordered first, then Romano, then Delise, then Barucki, uh, Phelps, Chatwood, Cole, Merriweather, Murphy, Wegaspack. So hey, it makes you think. Yeah. Either way, sounds like we're going to have a little bit of a Thunderdome thing going on here with positions and pitching rotation and whatnot and see how the chips fall here at the end of spring. But out of those equations, is there anybody that you guys are excite, excited to see maybe be that guy? to take a job this spring. Hmm. Kirk. <laughs> All hail King Kirk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I know they love Jansen and I, I don't think we can bank on them having any sort of movement there. I, I, although yeah, like a lot of people like to create trades. I don't think they're going to move off of Jansen. Um, otherwise, it just seems pretty basic to me. And that's not a knock on anything. That's not me trying to put it down. It just seems pretty unelaborate, right? And what well, we're it's expecting. It's a nice problem to have that we're arguing even the fact that we have potential in both of those guys. Right. Anybody? Anybody? 
Go for it, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I honestly am a huge Rowdy, Rowdy Tellez fan. I think that, you know, you could sell with him, but there's also the risk that he becomes, you know, an elite left-handed power hitter and, you know, a really, really good left-handed hitter because, you know, all of our hitters right now, you know, there's there's just no balance I find in the lineup right now. Um, a lot of these guys are um, strikeout prone, um, you know, and then I would like to see um, a lefty to kind of break up Springer, Vladdy, Guriel, uh, T. Oscar Hernandez, right? It's just all right, 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 right. And um, as an opposing manager, that's easy, easier to deal with than if you got, you know, have an elite uh, left-handed bat and right to in there. So if he can, you know, have a hot spring and kind of tie down that first base DH role, that's what I would like to see. And I think um, that's what would, you know, really elevate this Blue Jays lineup into the next level. Yeah, uh, just going through the depth chart, I really, it seems like other than the log jam that's everywhere, as we just went over, there isn't too many battles or anybody that's going to break out. The only battle that I see so clear as day is now that you bring back Joe Panic. it's between Panic and Espinal for who is the uh, utility guy off of the bench. And honestly, unless Panic has himself another good spring, um, I would rather go with Espinal at this point. I think he's shown a lot last year. I don't think he's going to be ever spectacular or ever very good, but he can be serviceable uh, as that utility guy. And he seems to be a really good clubhouse fit. So um, yeah, I mean, everything else seems to be pretty much in place barring a, a trade or two. Big piece in Santiago Espinal's favor. He's already on the 40-man roster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's nothing extra that has to go. And not to mention, um, from what I've seen, I'm intrigued enough to actually hope that he has a very good um, spring. Because in all reality, he's got some upside. But right now, I think he, as far as Blue Jays fans are concerned, I'm going to go flashback in here to, you know, the, the panel days <laughs> to uh, Manuel Lee. He kind of reminds me of that. And he was in our shortstop for the 1992 World Series. So... I think that's at least where he can be. If he goes higher than that and exceeds that, it's fine by me. He's already got a great glove. If some of that power that he showed in the Meyer Leagues comes through, great. Perfect. Does anybody else have anybody else they're excited, period, for this spring? Or as far as what you're going to be looking forward to watching in Blue Jays baseball, period, for this spring training? Not so much battle oh. stuff. Springer. Yeah, I was going to say, home runs. There, there's that new pitcher. There's that new pitcher that everyone was talking about. I forget his name. He escapes me. It was like a sudden sleeper that everyone started talking about because um, wasn't a four, he wasn't on, he's not on the forty man roster, but um, apparently he he throws like a high nineties fastball and he's an outside contender for a bullpen spot. Really? Uh, is that the guy we acquired? His name escapes for... me. Is that the is guy, it a guy who's acquired for the waiver wire from the Red Sox? I don't think so. Was it a guy on the Bison uh, a year or two ago, Jason? I don't think so because I like I had never heard of him, so it could be the Red Sox guy, but okay. P- Yamps or whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, no, not him. Or is it Nick uh, Algira? Algera. No, no. <laughs> I don't know who he is. I'm shocked. Somebody even escaped my minor league fun. Just saying. Oh, that's what um, 2020 did to me. <laughs> Yasper Zulueta. Apparently he's really. Yeah. That's what I, I've been reading a lot of positive stuff on him that he, he, you know, he has really, really good stuff and he has an outside chance um, for a bullpen role. So is he in the dark, dark horse candidate kind of ball? Yeah. Player, Jason. Just right. cause like, I want to see 
what all the hype is about because I had never heard, never heard of them before. Well, just suddenly... to say, apparently MLB.com has not either because there is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no minors, no nothing. It's just 6-1 on 90, age 23. <laughs> That's all it says. Oh, and he throws right, just saying. <laughs> so, but no, that's fun. Um, apparently, he hasn't... Pl- um, he played for the the um, DSL Blue Jays a few years ago. He's been hurt. So, non-roster invitee. There you go, boys. It's always there fun to see one of those guys come up and uh, just run away with it. It's currently listed as number 91. Just saying. Hopefully he gets a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just going to say this. I'm looking forward to seeing what Marcus Simeon is going to bring to the table for this team. I really think he's got all the world and talent and I really just would love to see another guy in this lineup that is potentially able to hit 25 home runs. Maybe it's just me. I'm looking forward to typical Blue Jays baseball where it's uh, let's just rack up a bunch of home runs and hope we beat the living the hell out of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. So moving right along, fellas, let's um, Adam, do you have your Pagoda test or uh, stuff in front of you that you texted all of us earlier for the projections? No, but I can I can pull that up. Okay, if you would be so kind, because I don't have it in front of me, and there's too much going on on my broadcast stuff right now. Yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> so, but in all reality, what it comes down to is the Blue Jays are projected to be the third place in the American League East, and what it really sounds like is they're just not giving the Blue Jays a ton of love. A lot of the reasons are probably because of our pitching rotation and the lack thereof of it, but the fact that this is probably one of the best offenses in all of major league baseball with what the blue jays uh management has assembled for this season and this was already a correct me if i'm wrong guys weren't we number seven in all baseball last year offensively or at least in runs scored something like that rings a bell mm-hmm. so it's already a good a top 10 offense in baseball you added george springer and marcus Semyon. we're gonna rake it's simple as that so adam if you have those numbers in front of you i would love to talk about it and what the uh projections are saying for the blue jays post spring training for this season sure uh i do think you're right about the projections being influenced by the fact that the blue jays have a very uh i'd say subpar at best starting rotation um heading into the season but right now they have the yankees finishing with the projected 97 wins um I'm taking the under on that. (laughs) I don't think they're going to win 97 games. So you're Um, telling me that Aaron Judge and Stanton might get hurt? Yeah, more than likely. (laughs) Um, They have the Rays finishing with 86 wins. I'm not even going to comment on that because I'm. It's it's bad voodoo to, to think the Rays are going to be worse or better than what is projected. They're an enigma. If they're going to be, yeah. They're an enigma in and of themselves. Uh, but not far off, they have the Blue Jays finishing third with 85 wins. I think they're due for a little bit more than that. I'd say maybe 88. I definitely want to go as far as 90 unless they do uh, beefing up that rotation and solidify it a little bit better, make it more robust. But I think between 85 and 88 is pretty fair. Um, if that's the case, you know, maybe that is slightly better than the Rays, but it should put them in the wild card conversation. Um, Red Sox with 80 wins, I'm going under with that and uh, Orioles with 66 I'm going under with that as well um so you know for the Blue Jays it's a fair assessment 85 wins 
Again, I'd slightly go over no no more than 88 as of right now just because of the run production and where they're going to be playing if it's in Dunedin. That's a, I don't know how hitter-friendly they've made that ballpark since the upgrades, but if they're going to go to Buffalo, that gives them more of an advantage hitting in a AAA park. I believe um, the dimensions of the Dunedin field, even before the renovations, were the exact for the Rogers Center. Oh, so it's major league ready. Okay. Um, well, then, still, that's a good barometer then. Still to nice the talent dimensions, that we have. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't think this is outrageous. I don't think this is not really giving them too much credit. I think this all lies into the fact that they don't really have a rotation to really speak of. Um, and if they do, it's going to come as a surprise to most people, let's be honest. Uh, so for me, between 85 and 88, I think that's fair. Jason, where are you putting the Blue Jays record-wise before we play over-under? <laughs> I, I I would definitely agree with Adam. I think that for for the Blue Jays to make the, the playoffs, you definitely have to be around the 88 rather than the 85. Um, but it, yeah, like... Adam said it all comes down to how much pitching that the Blue Jays add, whether it's um, before the season starts or whether it's um, at the trade deadline. Um, for me right now, is this year the year to go all in? And the answer would be no. I think that there's just too many uncertainties. A lot of guys still have so much experience to gain, so much to develop. Um, so this year I'd just be happy with the playoff berth and, you know, contending. Um, but, um, you know, next year is when you go all in and next year's Hopefully when you get those big pitchers and that's when we see the projections start to go 90 plus wins. Uh, but for right now, yeah, I would be happy with anywhere around the 85, 88 and hopefully towards that higher number. To your point on the contention window, we also get a lot more minor league reinforcements as soon as next season too. Exactly. Yeah, Brandon? no, absolutely. I'm probably in that ballpark too. I don't think how anybody can't be uh, anything less than 85 or 84 wins is a disappointment with how good the offense is projected to be but even if you had a really good scoring offense like let's just say they're top five and you only win 85 or 86 games i think you can still consider that a disappointment um and that's clear reflection of the lack of starting pitching um that they're going into the season with um i don't think they're done i think jason's right you might get something before the end of spring training or you might get something during the trade deadline uh for reinforcements maybe we can have another david price type acquisition and i don't think anybody's gonna come and pitch as well as david price did because that was unworldly like just how dominant he was before the playoffs started uh but or it could um, just be david price or yeah, it could be David Price. I mean, I wouldn't be upset about that, especially because the Red Sox are paying some of his money. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think at the highest end right now, if you go into the season without making any other moves to the rotation, I would expect them to come in at around 86, 87. Um, even an addition of Taiwan Walker, who could give you a few extra wins, could push you upwards of like 87, 88, maybe even pushing 89. But still... Um, there still is clear need there, and I'm not surprised where Pakota had them just because of the lack of starting pitching. There you go. So what's, uh, let's play over-under. Play the f- game show music. <laughs> what was the number you had for the Yankees? 90? They, me or them? Uh, Pakota. 97. 97? I'm going uh, under. Dude. You went under. Jason, what do you think, over or under on the Yankees? 100% under. <laughs> a definitive 100 percent not just normal just hey done not gonna happen yeah brendan i i agree can we acknowledge too that the yankees rotation on paper is bat- banking on a lot of the same stuff the blue jays are behind ryu and garrett cole you're banking on Corey kluber who 
may or may not stay healthy. Um, the Rangers had serious concerns about whether his arm was going to stay attached, uh, which is why they let him go. I know they were also trying to save money, but still. Um, and yeah, a lot of guys coming back from injuries. They lost Tanaka, they lost Jay Happ, uh, and other guys. So They're hoping um, Tayon can jump in and be what he was with the Pirates, but in all yeah, reality, he's still... That's an if, too. Yeah, that's big a big if. So there's three guys out of out of five, and Davey Garcia obviously was pretty good last year, and you got to hope that he continues his development. Yankees behind Cole, just like the Blue Jays with Ryu, have question marks, and they're very similar type question marks to the Blue Jays. So yeah, I'd be under as well. I don't think they'll drop below 90, but uh, maybe around 94, 95 wins. Let's flip that around to the offense side here, though. How certain are you with their offense? Outside of you know uh, Torres being one of the best players in baseball as a young talent, are you expecting Gary Sanchez to be good, the two other guys to be around so that you have like you know three main bats in your lineup? in Stanton and Judge. And is Gio Urshela really this good? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> what do you guys Even LeMayu could take a step back as well. Yeah, DJ could for sure take a step, especially with the balls not being as juiced. Uh, that's a lot of home runs. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, the offense... And another guy that you didn't mention that they're banking a lot is Luke Voigt, too. I mean, Luke Voigt just kind of came out of nowhere last year after he slimmed down. Hopefully the, it has the same effect as Vlad uh, <laughs> with slimming down. But, yeah, no, in the injury concerns for sure. The Yankees' offense just looks so different when even just one of Judge or Stanton isn't in the lineup because he could pitch around the other guy and get to Voigt or get to whoever else. So they have question marks. I have no doubt that they're going to win 90 games. But at the same time, Blue Jays the last few years have played the Yankees really tough, and it'll be only be tougher for the Yankees when they play Toronto now. So maybe that maybe we shouldn't be as scared as the Yankees as the projections are saying. Adam, anything to add to last before I move to the next candidate? <laughs> no, I think their I think their offense is is quite good, and I, I think they're pretty scary, all things considered. I don't think we should take that lightly at all, and I, I do think they they. It would not surprise me if they eclipse 90. I just think 97 is a little high. Like anything approaching 100, I'll put them at the 95 mark. And I know that's just a two year, a two game difference, whatever. Yeah. But I, I do think they're capable, you know, it, it, assuming health, right? And you can't really bank on that too much in baseball, especially with, you know, the, the injury history of um, the judge and uh, why is his name escaping me? Right? Stan. Stan. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giancarlo. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be well ahead in first. Yeah. So let's move on to the next piece. You had the Rays at how many wins for Pagoda? They have 86. I'm going to call that no spot problem. on. I'm not even yeah, going to no say problem. over or under. I'm thinking that's like right there. And this is even saying after they lost all the pitching that they had, they moved around some of their offensive pizzas. Brendan, where do you have the Rays? Is there, does that sound about right to you? I'd go a little over um, again, and that's just all to live up to my my Chris or not my Christmas wish list, my New Year's resolution of never selling the Rays short like I do year in and year out. Look, is. I know they've lost some starters, but they have more coming. And Wander Franco is going to get here at some point this year, and he will be a beast. He's projected to be better than Vlad Vlad was. So. Yeah, I, I think they might come in at around 88, 89, kind of like what we just said with the Jays. I, I would go over on that. And they always seem to find the Randy Rose Arena, just saying. They always <laughs> do. Jason, over or under on the Rays on it at 87? 
Uh, definitely over. I still honestly, I think that the Rays are still the team to beat in the AL East because, you know, they did trade Blake Snell, but the pitcher they got, Luis Patino, he's supposed to be one of the top, if not the top pitching prospect um, in all of baseball. And, um, you know, I definitely don't want to sell the Rays short. They always seem to find the hidden gems. They seem to work the opener, whatever bullpen magic that they find. They always have some weird three quarters arm throwing 100 miles per hour coming out of the bullpen um yeah so i in my opinion a team that's um gone to the world series last year um they're definitely still in my opinion the favorite for the ales and i as a blue juice fan i'm definitely more scared of the rays um than the yankees that's just for me personally though me too that's not yep. just because of the trap effect is it <laughs> that's definitely plays a factor for the sure. map. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, I wouldn't be shocked on that whole thing too, because um, from the glaring eye things we were just tra- talking about, that the Rays have always managed to find a way, and they are the team to beat. They were the, you know, American League champions. Just saying. <laughs> so, watch the World Series, yeah. Blue Jays, yeah. like I said, pending some wild cards. We're at what we talked about a minute ago. Um, the Red Sox. I'm going to even bury them under what you had. What was the number? 80. I 80. said under as well. Yeah. I don't see how they're a 500 team. Is anybody else on that ballpark? Or what are we going here if we go around? Under, under with me and Adam. <laughs> I would say under as well. Brendan? Yeah, probably under. At the same time, maybe they come close to that projection of 80. It depends. I mean, it depends how Sale comes back. I'm just trying to pull up there. The depth chart right now, so I could go through and just look at their pitching. Uh, they have a lot of wild cards who could bounce back and provide some stability. They're chasing like Edward, Eduardo Rodriguez, um, Garrett so Richards, Baldi, is right? um, Nick Pavetta. They made a trade for. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll be very good, uh, but at the same time, I, under. But it would not shock me if they come close to eighty. There you go, Jason. Did you say under too? Under, it depends on how Sale looks and how, if he has an innings limit or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because if he's back to Sale of the Old, then yeah. you still have one of the best pitchers in baseball who could give you anywhere from 15 to 20 wins. Um, but yeah, they, their rotation is surprisingly deep, like Brendan just said. Um, for me, though, they're, they're not too much to worry about just because their farm system they don't have anyone to really promote yeah. that can give you a sudden impact right it looks pretty depleted to me as of uh, when i checked on it last so Which is the um, exact I reason think... that um, andrew penitendi has now found a new address <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah under for me there you go and are we um i'm gonna say it. i'm just gonna say it i'm gonna be this guy i'm gonna say over that the orioles are not gonna finish in fifth place oh they i think they will there was something about that little streak that gives that's gonna give me the I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy I'm gonna say over but it what, what was their number? Sixty six. I'm still going under. That's what losing a third. That's losing two thirds of your games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. There's nothing. Probably. There's nothing that screams that they're gonna do more than that. But uh, just that little streak gave me confidence in their minor league system last year. There are pieces coming for the Orioles. I will say that. Like just looking at their depth chart right now, John Means is gonna break out. And I think if you're playing fantasy, you might want to d- think about grabbing John Means because he's legit um, and he's gonna be their unquestioned ace. But behind Means, there's nobody. King Felix, remember <laughs> he went to the Orioles. He's uh, the shape of his King life, Felix. candidate. 
<laughs> uh, but no, they have some decent arms in their bullpen too. Hunter Harvey's decent, but they're off. You got to score runs though, dude. That's the catch. I mean, That's the thing. <laughs> Dwight I mean, Smith Jr. is still in that offense. Yeah, I mean, just looking at White. it, the only, the only bats that scare me right now are Santander because he did he had magic over the Jays last year. But uh, unless Ryan Mountcastle takes a huge step forward, like he showed he might be able to, yeah, there's not a whole is lot Trey else Mancini there. Mancini actually healthy. I think so. <laughs> I haven't heard anything different. I haven't either, but obviously he had a little bit of an issue. <laughs> so I'm from what I've heard, watch out for. Yeah, that's a good one too. Adley so. Richmond, their top catching prospect. He's supposed to be. Um, he's he's been compared to Joe Maurer when he was in his. Oh, prime, Richmond. So. Yeah, yeah. Right. <clears throat> so if he, I don't think he comes up this year though, just because maybe for um, just a September, but for the future, he's definitely one to worry about if you're a Jays fan. Yeah, there are some pieces coming for the Orioles, and you saw a few of that last year. But yeah, they're still under for sure. Yeah, yeah this year is not. Craig, you really have them finishing ahead of the Sox. I have a weird feeling. I do. No, I'm going my gut. Unlike Ooh, Charlie Montoyo bold, right now, this big fat beer baby thing down here. I'm going. I'm. I'm betting on that. Yeah. <laughs> There's something that says it. So. I don't know. I, I. I just can't. I can see the Red Sox putting up some runs here and there. I can't see the or like if the Orioles have a game in which they eclipse five runs, I'm going to be impressed. <laughs> I can I just point out impressed. a terrible, terrible idea here? For me to be right, you said they were projected for 63 wins? 66. 66. They only have to get 67 wins for me to be right. No, no but they have to finish <laughs> ahead of the Red Sox. Oh, Because okay. you said you don't see them finishing fifth. I. It's going to be a close race for the bottom of the AL East, I think. Just like how I think the, t- the other three teams that we've been talking about with the AL East is going to beat the living shit out of each other. All right, all right, hold on, hold on. Let's, 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 let's make a, a friendly bet, a friendly podcast bet. I'll give up Red my hosting Sox- week if. Yeah, do you see the Red Sox losing, sorry, winning less than 70 games? No. I don't either. You have to remember that Alex Cora is coming back, and despite all his roles in that um, Houston Astros controversy, he's still one heck of Where's a my manager, trash can? and yeah. he, he's gonna have he's gonna have a huge effect for them. Yeah, I, I can't see them losing. Uh, sorry, winning less than seventy, and I can't see the Orioles winning seventy plus. No. I just can't. Okay, I was only being a dick because I think they could have made the <laughs> one extra win, which would have put them <laughs> with the Red Sox. But fine, all right, Who? have it your way. <laughs> What's that? Who would you? <laughs> Who would you guys rather be a fan of right now when you look at dollar. active rosters? Would you rather be Orioles, Tigers, Royals, or Pirates? Probably Royals. the consensus four worst teams in the MLB right now. Tigers for me. They have a bunch of good pieces. They I'm do. in the boat with the Tigers, too. I think, I am, I think I'm there, too. The Royals, maybe, but I was gonna yeah, say Royals, Tigers. Yeah. Tigers are up there. The Tigers have, yeah, they have because they have Tork, Torkelson, who was like the yes. number one pick. Casey Mize, uh, Matt Manning for the rotation. Like their pieces are actually surprisingly really, really good. And if they have like, another couple of good drafts, I like Turnbull too. I know this isn't a Tigers podcast, but uh, <laughs> I asked the question. I figure I might as well add a few names there. Yeah, he's like, always, yeah, he's always in the um, sleeper list for fantasy leagues. Yeah, right? yeah, I had him a year or two ago, and it was okay until he started. Uh, I think he got hurt, or they just went on a terrible losing streak. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Plus, in the piece of that, too, I, in my opinion, the Tigers have had a better chance to gather that young talent with those other teams that we have been talking about. The Orioles just completely shot the shit out of their rebuild, and 
you know, blew up all their money on Crash Davis. <laughs> so it was hard for them to, and they, they haven't drafted well, where the Tigers in this, the last three, four seasons have found guys like we were just laying out there, and that's just their first round picks. They have a few guys in their minor league system that have been, that from what I've seen from a couple visits that I've had where they've been playing other teams for the um, Tigers system, they have some talent in that minor league system, and it's going to be fun, I think, in the next few years for Tigers fans. But anyway... <laughs> so before we go off the air because we're starting to run long prediction for spring training i want to just get one out of you guys each who runs away with the show this spring for um, each one of you and who is your prediction for that kind of like outbreak guy or who's just going to be the talk of spring training camp jason who do you think i honestly think it's one of the prospects that that have been called up. You know, I saw that Jordan Groshans was up, uh, Miguel Geraldo, I think Oralvis Martinez also got an invite. Yep. And some of those guys have been really, really highly regarded by the organization. Um, another name is Gabriel Moreno. He's apparently another huge catching prospect, and the Jays seem to have a ton of those. So, you know, what, what if one of those guys has a huge spring and um, another team comes calling for them? You know, maybe that could be an impetus for a huge trade. And um, I think that, you know, obviously Springer is going to get a lot of noise just because he's he was the huge um, offseason acquisition. Same thing for Marcus Semien. But don't be surprised if you know one of these prospects, this, these these top prospects, um, steal the show from Springer as well. Adam, you want to go next? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, best best shape of his life candidate, Kirk. <laughs> I, I think I think he's going to surprise. They're putting a lot of emphasis on him. And, you know, that's been clear. And they value him highly to the point where if you want to believe the the reports and the rumors that a lot of people have been chasing after him in terms of uh, other teams for a trade and the Blue Jays are just steadfast saying no. Um, I think Kirk can be – I don't think he's going to have a monumental role this year. I think they're going to give Jansen every opportunity to fail. Um, and, you know, if come – the middle of the season, maybe that July, August mark that he's not really performing well. And Kirk is, you know, showing promise. They might flip roles, but by no means do I think that Kirk is going to run away from the jump with the job. But I do think in spring training, you're going to see some things from him. Uh, that's going to make your head turn. Um, otherwise you look at the team. It's pretty straightforward. As we already said, you, you expect uh, a high level performance from a lot of the players on this team. Not that I don't expect it from Kirk, I just think he's going to open a lot of eyes and earn it. Um, so I, I, I just I like I like stories of under the radar, even though he's not really under the radar. <laughs> I like the the stories of best shape of your life, you know, getting into that <laughs> and uh, just breaking through. So, so why aren't you mind. picking Vladdy then, Mister Best Shape of Your Life? <laughs> uh, I mean, the hype is there, right? The hype and is we, there. I, <laughs> we've we've been let down a little bit by Vladdy, and I'm not saying that he's a bust by no means. Am I trying to imply that? But you know, the dude had a fucking MLB Network special for his debut, and it it what are we doing? Like, it made it me leave it, the country to go see Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I I would love to see him turning around. I really would, and hopefully he he will. And this season is a prime opportunity for him to do so. But I just like the new stories. So let's just let's see what Kirk can do. All right. I'm going to go with Jason on the prospect side of things because let's look back a few spring trainings ago. 2018, who was the talk of town? It was Vlad. 2019, it was Bo. Last year, it was Pearson before MLB <laughs> shut down. 
this year, it's probably going to be Jordan Groshans and be like, why isn't this guy going to get a job? Oh, because we have a logjam at the major league level and he just needs some more seasoning. And that was the rationale that we got for Pearson. That's the rationale we got for Vlad. And it's the rationale we got for Bo in terms of why they wouldn't make the team coming out of those respective spring training. So if it, on the offensive side of things, definitely Groshans. On the pitching side of things, it could be anybody, man. Like it could be Simeon Woodrichson just blowing the doors off of an outing and everybody be like, bring him to the rotation. Uh, kind of <laughs> like it was with Pearson this last year. Or it could be Adam Klofenstein, if I, I'm not sure if he has an invite or not. Yes. Um, or it could be a guy we saw last year. It could be Merriweather being like, damn, or Thomas Hatch. There's a lot of options on the pitching side of things for somebody who could just completely surprise. But uh, I think my top choice is, is Groshans for being the talk of spring training. I'm going to go prospect as well. Austin Martin. Oh, that's a <laughs> just saying sure. uh, if anybody had the potential to skip a level or all the minor leagues again like john olderud did you're looking at the collective minor league stuff unless you're literally on a team like we were talking about those bottom feeding teams where you can jump right from the myers to the prospect to major league baseball if you were looking at the roster right now austin martin screens that guy college superstar right has many positions he could play in some trades might happen. Who knows? I'm just saying. Weird shit can happen. If you were going to ask me who could be a guy that could make a really, really big standout and have that same conversation we were just talking about with Vladdy, Bo, and Pearson, I think Austin Martin could spell that as well. So, anybody have anything else they would like to interject with before I give Jason Lee here his moment to discuss his wonderful findings and what he where he can be found on the internet and for self-promote? Anything? I guess I do have something to add. I think that, you know, when we're now that we're on the topic of, you know, prospects lighting it up in spring training, I think um, as fans or as journalists, we do have to sort of um, believe what the front office is saying. I know that with Vladdy, I know that with Pearson, um, a lot of fans were upset because they didn't call them up um, early enough um, with, you know, obviously there is um, contract issues. There is, you know, that manipulation of service time. But at the end of the day, you know, we saw Vladdy, get called up and he struggled. We saw Pearson get called up and, you know, he also kind of struggled as well. So when the front office says a player or a prospect is not ready, I think for me, I think it's important for us to, you know, believe them because they are the ones who are getting the scouting reports every day. They're the ones who have been talking to the coaches. And um, that's kind of one thing that frustrates me. And I get that you want to see your team's top prospect in the big leagues as soon as possible. But you have to think about the future, right? What's best for this player? What's best for this team? You know, and um, in the case of both Vladdy and Nate Pearson, I think that maybe they were rushed because the fans were pushing. Um, but I hope that doesn't happen with the likes of Austin Martin, uh, Jordan Groshen, Simeon Woods, Richardson, um, et cetera, et cetera. There you go. Anybody else? Wise words. I agree. Well played, sir. All right. Well, Jason, um, if you want to continue to, you know, preach here for a second go right ahead tell us where <laughs> tell blue jay nation where they can find you and the uh so far the 150 listeners that we had live with us tonight um where they can find you and your work and obviously you're more than welcome to come back and join us at any time you feel like yeah um so i'm still with jay's journal right now um I write the articles for jay's journal uh, but right now actually i've kind of been focused more on um the korean sports side of the um industry and um i've actually partnered um, with a Canadian company to develop a fantasy football game for Korea's um, domestic league. So that's where all my energy has been poured into. That's awesome. But but I'm still um, avidly following Blue Jays news. I um, still 
I created that little fun little tier system to make sure that the reporters were, um, you know, not the, the fans knew which reporters were credible, which were prone to make some mistakes from time to time. Um, and yeah, most active on Twitter and write the occasional Blue Jays article from J, for Jays Journal. There you go. Um, at Jays Hub, right? Jason's underscore Jays Hub. That's what it was. <laughs> I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. So, Anytime. Blue Jays fans, it's been another wonderful evening of Jaybird watching here. We were glad you all joined us. Make sure you hit up that experience stuff on the Patreon account. There is more stuff coming, and that's any of our social media at Birdwatching GC. And also catch us wherever you uh, get your podcasting pleasures from. Stadium scene. Stadium scene. Shout out as well. Thank you, Brendan. And as far as everything else goes, uh, Jason, it is tradition to hear to, you know, since the Caleb Joseph, to end with two claps and a Ric Flair. Ready to join us and shout, let's go, Blue Jays? <laughs> I hope, yeah. All right. Let's go, boys. Let's go, Blue Jays. Let's go, Blue Jays. Spring training. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.